welcome to My Faculty Podcast at Walden University, created to provide further professional development and conversations relevant to faculty interests. This podcast is brought to you by the Office of Research and Doctoral Services. My guests today are Annie Morgan and Nina McCoon. Annie, can you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Annie Morgan, and I work now with the Office of Academic Affairs uh, and um, in an associate dean role where I do a mixture of teaching and research. Great. And Nina? So I'm Nina McCune. I am the associate dean of inclusive teaching and learning. Um, I am uh, involved in a lot of the strategy and development and implementation for uh, inclusive inclusive approaches across Weldon. Thanks. So our topic today is appreciative inquiry, which I had never heard of until you guys had talked to me about it. So why don't we start with what is appreciative inquiry? Sure. So appreciative inquiry is a methodology that is um, uh, was born out of organizational development, uh, was first used by David Cooperwriter uh, in his dissertation, uh, and, and then has been used largely through summits for organizational change or growth. Uh, it is a methodology that um, is grounded in constructionism and positive psychology and it really emphasizes shifting the focus from problem solving to growing what is good and valuable in an organization or in a person. Nina, do you want to add anything there? Sure, I think one of the things that has always struck me about appreciative inquiry is it um it really seems to break apart how we understand traditional research uh, usually we spend a lot of time carefully identifying and defining a problem and having sometimes elaborate problem statements um, and in the research, we might try to design interventions specifically to solve that problem or to remediate whatever issue. And appreciative inquiry doesn't work from a place of deficit in what's wrong or what's missing or where is there a gap. Rather, it turns everything on its head and says, where are we doing things right? What are the strengths that we see? Um, and how can we build on those to make a stronger organization or to have better classroom environment. Um, and I think it's that's part of the power of the methodology um, is by shifting your view, uh, you know, kind of 180 degrees, it allows you to imagine different possibilities. Yeah. Also supported by literature, of course, and also, you know, supported by all of um, the practices that we have in academics. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's unique because it, it doesn't it doesn't seek to cure deficit yeah yeah I think you said the word imagine and I think that's one of my favorite parts of it is it stretches us to think in ways that we haven't thought of before 
And, and so grounded in our values and what's important to us as individuals and as an organization, that's the appreciation part. And then there's this whole sort of, we are a community that comes together in the methodology and we have choice in how we, um, we have choice in what we ask and how we ask questions. That's the inquiry part of it that leads to imagination and or beyond what we've imagined before through community brainstorming and, um, and, and building on our thinking together. That's that co-construction piece of it. Could you, and you know, sorry, oh, go sorry. ahead. <laughs> At Walden, I think it's, it's a, it's a really apt methodology um, because without making without making anything sound tautological, right? Because there's no specific goal that this methodology has. But inherent to the methodology is um, seeking change, addressing issues and challenges and concerns um, that build, you know, in, in its original form formulation, successful organizations, successful initiatives, um, successful change, even things like culture change. Um, and to that end, you know, Walden's main initiative is to impact positive social change. And so I think appreciative inquiry marries very well with the mission, vision, and values of Walden University. Could you give us an example of what this would look like, like a type of study? I mean, an example of one that would, I think that would help me get a firmer feel for it. Um, you know, I think Lee, it might actually be helpful to talk about studies or, or methods that you're really familiar with and that a lot of people are more familiar with. And I, I think where some of the, as appreciative inquiry has been applied to research more recently, uh, it, I think part of how that's been done is by comparing it to other qualitative methods. So um, it is like action research in the way that it engages community. It is like a case study in the way that it um, looks at specific situations or scenarios. Um, I would say it could be used in autoethnography or any method where the researcher is a tool in the research or is a part of the research, not as an outside participant. That helps a lot, actually. Well, and I think, you know, to pick up on what Annie said, um, in terms of action research, uh, you know, in, in the field where I have my my doctorate in education, um, we're very accustomed to doing action research. That we have this kind of cycle that we um, we identify something, you know, some change we want to make. We imagine what that would look like uh, with a variety of stakeholders. That could be with our students, with colleagues, with our administrators, um, and we explore and we revisit and we revise and then we we repeat the cycle. Um, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of subsets of appreciative inquiry. One is like humble inquiry, um, that we wonder aloud 
how how things can be different. Um, and so that could be, for example, if I change a school policy, how would that impact on um, student engagement in my class? Um, and I think you know one of the one of the aspects of positive psychology is that it it almost requires um, developing a growth mindset where you're open to change, you're inquisitive about change, um, and engaging in that practice um, to to solve like a very practical problem that you see on the ground. Um, and so it, it, that's why appreciative inquiry and action research are often they, they go hand in hand. Right. And I think one of the reasons that I had trouble bringing appreciative inquiry to research initially when I was first exposed to appreciative inquiry is because of that sort of problem centeredness of traditional research. <laughs> and appreciative inquiry looks to strengths and assets, as Nina was saying, and seeks to build on those. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't also solve problems. But I've seen, I think, both recently more research that is focused on building on what is good and appreciative inquiry application to real world problems. Uh, there was a global summit recently uh, that was uh, partly sponsored by the Cooper Writers Center and uh, that focused on anti-racism and, and creating a better world. And that, again, is that application of appreciative inquiry methods. And, uh, Lee, it might help also when you, uh, to understand the process to walk through what would be termed the five, I say five Ds of appreciative inquiry. I think initially publications that, um, that were released were focused on four Ds <laughs> and then a fifth was added. And so the fifth that was added is the first D, which is defining, and so defining, you could say defining the problem or defining the situation, defining the scope of what you're looking at, um, or defining the question that you're asking. And then the second D is in discovery. So it, from a research perspective, that could be part of your data collection. Um, and discovery, and discovery could also be discovering the community that you're working in or with, um, determining who your stakeholders are. And that's an important concept in appreciative inquiry, that idea of stakeholders, which we can talk a little bit more about, or what community means in appreciative inquiry. And then the third D is the dream stage. And so uh, I think the dream stage is where we go beyond data collection to data generation. and uh, that's where imagination comes into play and really radical brainstorming and um, and that sense of community and working with people at all levels of an organization or um, within the community, all stakeholders. The fourth stage uh, or D in the 5D process is designing. So taking those dreams and bringing them to life uh, and, and thinking about how they will live in a community or live to um, solve a problem or build on the assets and, and what is good. And then the fifth is, um, it has historically been referred to as the destiny stage. A lot of people, I think, in, especially in organizational development, maybe were uncomfortable with that terminology of destiny. And so I see in the literature a lot of use of the term deliver as the fifth stage or delivery. 
So define, discover, dream, design, deliver, as would be your stages in the research process if appreciative inquiry is the method. It seems like it could be used in kind of a program evaluation context. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I first was exposed to appreciative inquiry, it was, I think, and that was maybe in 2012 or 13 at an HLC conference where someone was presenting the SOAR model. And I've used the SOAR model in uh, at Walden a couple of times in different um, um, situations. But the SOAR framework is based in appreciative inquiry, and it is for exactly that. It, it, it essentially replaces a SWOT analysis with a more appreciative approach. And so SOAR, um, if you think about the layout of a SWOT analysis where you're looking at strengths, weaknesses, um, opportunities, and threats, in SOAR you're looking at strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. Nice. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I, I think, um, allows you to see things from uh, an alternate view and uh, and celebrate achievements, recognize the good that sometimes can create greater buy-in from participants um, and inclusive, inclusivity. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think, oh, sorry, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think along the lines of creating buy-in, um, you know, because Part of the methodology seeks to understand how change impacts groups of people and practices. Um, you know, allowing multiple stakeholders to be a part of that dream stage um, is absolutely critical. Um, and I think it's something that we overlook. You know, we we tend to employ methodologies that have the researcher, you know, who manipulates certain variables um, and is outside of the control of, of the person that it might be affecting or the group mm -hmm. that it might be impacting. Um, and so it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a, it creates different kinds of opportunities for change that the researcher may have never anticipated. Yeah. Um, I think that might be some of the reluctance to engage in it because, you know, we, we, when we think about, chapter three, right? And we think about the section on assumptions um, or even limitations. Um, we like to know what we're getting ourselves into. And I think one of the aspects of appreciative inquiry that might be really uncomfortable is you, you, you really don't know how stakeholders are gonna respond mm -hmm. um, in the cycle of research. And you know, you, I, I think, you know, that's true with any, with, of course, across any kind of research, but in, in appreciative inquiry, you do have the opportunity and, you know, it's built into the methodology to adjust, to go mm -hmm. back um, and reflect and adjust. And, you know, something is, is not headed in the way that you thought it was, or the change is, is not um, positively impacting. Uh, you have that opportunity, but I think, you know, that might, that might be the sticking point um some people might be hesitant to engage yeah and that's not unlike participatory action research where uh, as the as a lead researcher you go in with a community and 
uh, and discover and and reflect and evaluate and uh, and apply change and then re reflect evaluate and apply change and it, it you're not of course clear on what direction it will take you yeah so what's the end goal with it I mean where are we going with the whole project um, I think I mean the end goal of appreciative inquiry is positive growth and change I, I think about um, the kinds of questions you ask in appreciative inquiry uh, it, it even in the use of appreciative inquiry in research, I think one of the questions I would ask myself is, how might I leave participants in a better place than where I found them? <laughs> and so in designing a study or in using appreciative inquiry in designing survey questions or, um, or an interview guide, asking positive questions that allow my participants to positively reflect and um, consider a brighter future and whatever the topic is my hope is leaves them in a better place leaves us all in a better place and that's the aim of research i think more generally and I think it also it kind of reduces an intimidation or threat factor. So, for example, um, if we are exploring something like anti-racism, some people might might bristle at that, um, you know, because it it sounds threatening. Um, but part, one of the one of the applications for appreciative inquiry is exploring dominant paradigms. Um, in a way that participants can feel safe and encouraged to express themselves. Um, and so reducing that intimidation around a topic or reduce, reducing a perceived threat around a potential outcome, um, I think is critical. And that's part of you know, why the methodology itself can inspire positive change, uh, because there is that mitigation of fear um, built in into the methodology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The value of every individual's story um, is really a present in the a method, and um, I, so I think that that's an important piece. And so when we say every individual, we're, that's where I think we're talking about this variety of stakeholders and um, spectrum of stakeholders. And I think. One of the things when I have led or um, consulted to lead or for leaders of appreciative inquiry summits, a question we ask over and over is who's not at the table that should be? And, and then uh, as we continue our planning, we ask again, who's not at the table that should be? Who will be impacted by this that should be at the table? So continuing to stretch what who is in the community and then making sure that when you come together and have an opportunity to share stories and um, and build on um, share stories that inspire action and images for the future, I think it's important that you do that as one community and not with titles or layers or levels of leadership. 
um, that when you come together in appreciative inquiry, you, you bring your humanness and you check your title at the door. And that also is an effort and a, um, is a part of, I think, what makes uh, appreciative inquiry a safe place to, to plan for positive change. Now, is this type of method able to be used in dissertations and has it been? Absolutely. Um, in preparation for this podcast, I actually went into uh, ProQuest and looked at Walden University dissertations specifically that have used appreciative inquiry, and there have been several. Um, and it's not, Walden has not been singular in this. Um, but I've noticed very interestingly that the topics of these dissertations ranged uh, from kind of the, I, I, I hesitate to say expected places, but the expected disciplines like education, um, but it also in, included uh, law enforcement, criminal justice, public health, um, political science. Um, and so it's a, it, it can be broadly applied across any number of disciplines. Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed in the past year, in 2021, there seemed to be, uh, there were three dissertations in 2021 that it, at Walden that specifically used the appreciative inquiry methodology. And that's more than in any of the previous years. And so perhaps it's gaining momentum. Um, and I understand three is a very small number, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, I, I think, as the methodology grows, uh, because it is relatively young, um, David Cooper Ryder started writing about this in like the 1980s, um, as it gains in and matures, uh, I think it's becoming a little bit more popular, as, especially since people are beginning to become aware of its broad application in a number of disciplines. Well, we're almost out of time. If someone is interested in getting more information, do you have any suggestions of what they should read? Well, I have a couple. I think one of the first um, books that I would recommend, especially if you're looking at appreciative inquiry for research, is a book by Jan Reed, R-E-E-D, and it's just called Appreciative Inquiry Research for Change. But the other book that I would recommend, um, or authors, I mentioned the um, SOAR method, and I've used many times the Thin Book of SOAR, which is by Jackie Stavros um, and another author who I can't remember right now, Jackie Stavros and Gina Heinrichs. And then I've used many times a book called The Appreciative Inquiry Summit, which really lays out kind of the, the logistics of using appreciative inquiry, primarily in organizational change. But I think understanding it in that way allows for a stronger application in research and in life. And that book um, is by Ludema, Whitney, Moore, and Griffin, The Appreciative Inquiry Summit, it's called. That's great. Thank you so and of, much. And of course, the, the originator of the theory, well, one of the originators, David Cooperwriter, is still alive. And as Annie <laughs> mentioned earlier, is the Cooperwriter Center at Champlain College in Vermont. Um, and they're active and they host webinars and they have, um, uh, you know, I think web resources available on, on their site uh, through, uh, through Champlain College. Um, 
And I know also David Cooperwriter will email with you. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've reached out and asked him questions and he's responded. Um, yes. And so the, the author of the methodology still is very active um, and very engaged uh, in the work that he put forth. Yes. Yeah, and, and partners with Martin Seligman, uh, the who some might say was the grandfather or father of positive psychology, and, uh, they, and they work together for the Global Positive Education Network to apply appreciative inquiry methods and methods in positive psych to um, problems and growth and building in education across the lifespan. Very exciting. Great work being done. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lee. Thanks, Thanks Nina. Thanks, Annie. Thanks, Lee. Thank you for joining us today for Research Talk. Our music is by audionautics.com. And I'm Dr. Lee Statlander. Today's podcast was sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services.